We are diving headfirst into the mailbag for today's show. We go from everything to, hey, who would we like to add on this year's team for a national championship run? What's the rotation going to look like next year? And then, well, some crazy ones like, how can we punish refs more for calling fouls? Yeah, let's get nuts. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My favorite people in the world, Locked on Spartans listeners, Spartan fans, Spartan family, welcome to another edition of this here show on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt Sheehan, and I will be guiding you through this mailbag extravaganza that we have for you today. On tomorrow's show, yes, we will be breaking down the Ohio State game going on this weekend. Any other news that pops up, you always know where to find us, but before any of the mailbag gets opened up here. Hey, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, well, let's just dive right into this thing. Without further ado, we've done enough housekeeping. Let's go into it. You ever have a question? LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter, Sheehan underscore sports, just like Spartan Evan did. If you could put one MSU basketball alum on this year's team besides Cassius to make a natty run, who would you pick? think I would probably say Jaron Jackson Jr. with our big man problems. I think this would be a smart choice. Thoughts? My thoughts are that, yeah, I I think Jaron Jackson is probably the favorite among Spartan fans to win this one. And positionally, as a whole, yeah, it, it has to be a big man. It has to be a big man. I, I haven't seen anything else this season that suggests anything else. I mean, even if we could include Cassius Winston, amazing player, did wonderful things here, would love to give him another stab at a March Madness run. I, I still don't even know if I would pick him just because ooh, that front court has been something else this year. Um, so I am going to go with Jaron Jackson, I think, but... There are some guys that can have an argument as well. Uh, Draymond Green being one, you know. Uh, look, we had this conversation with Connor Muldowney not too long ago. Hey, if you could add another player to this team, who would you add? And we talked about Draymond Green. And let's not forget, yeah, just because he's a veteran NBA player, probably at the back end of his career, still an amazing player. Yes, he's not as physically imposing as Jaron Jackson, but... He's a world-class defender, one of the best defenders the NBA has ever seen. But I wonder if the intangible of him being a Spartan dog, if you will, or a Spartan leader, just chewing guys you-know-what, I wonder if it'd just be too much for this team too quick, because the last few years on this team hasn't been like a bonafide alpha dog. We've seen it, you know, sometimes this season, sometimes it's AJ, when he wants to be, sometimes it's Malik, but it's really hard to do that when you're in and out with injuries. But I, I almost wonder if like Draymond coming in and doing his thing would, would just send this team into into like a shock, <laughs> if if you will. Like it just might be too much, too quick for this team that hasn't seen a leader like Draymond in their entire careers at Michigan State. Uh, and with that said, too, yeah, Jaron Jackson. I, I mean, the guy has over three blocks a game in the NBA. Probably in the driver's seat for defensive player of the year in the NBA. And yes, can step out, pop a few threes as well. And if I could just add this selfishly, uh, and maybe you agree with this too, 
It'd be nice for Jared to get one more March Madness run just so we can maybe possibly for once and for all hang up the stupid dialogue around what happened in that Syracuse game. The, oh, Jared should have played more and... No, I'm not. No, 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 I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go on and say how bad Jared was in that game anyway and how Ben Carter was actually the right player, but... Uh, I digress. Anyway, Xavier Tillman would also be a good pick, but yeah, I got to go Jaron Jackson. No question about it. Uh, that's a great question to bat lead off. Hopefully you guys didn't turn this off after I went on my little Syracuse game rant, but we will move forward with the question from the one, the only Ryan Cole always comes in with good questions for these mailbag episodes. And he says, should Tom Izzo and or Mark D'Antonio get statues on campus? If so, where should they go? And what pose slash stance should be used? Now, if you're watching on YouTube, it is a small painting here, but there's Tom Izzo with a clenched fist yelling at Aaron Henry. That would maybe not be a good statue idea for the greater public. But if you're like me and you kind of like that moment, I don't know, and ended in a Final Four run... Yeah, that would be my statue, but let's say that we're pandering to the greater good of the university. You don't want a controversial moment being your statue. I think that it should be a statue. First of all, yes, I do think Izzo should absolutely get a statue somewhere on campus and make it 80 feet tall, despite what's been going on this season and last few. Still a legend. Um, I think it should be one of him on a ladder with a net you know, in his fist above his head. You know, you could pick any of the eight photographs from Final Four trips or really nine photographs if you want from one from the national title game in 2000. But on that ladder, he should be facing the direction of Indianapolis. And let me explain why here. Yes, he has won three Big Ten tournament titles in Indianapolis, but he has also been to three Final Fours in Indy as well. All right, this man has a knack for going to Indy. We're talking 2000, the national title year, so that's a bonus onto that. 2010 and 2015, so eight Final Fours, three of them have been to Indy. A lot of great magic has happened in trips to Indy. So, yeah, I think that, you know, put him at the northeast corner of the stadium, have him facing the direction of Indianapolis. So there, he's also facing Breslin Center, his domain as well. Now, for Mark D'Antonio... Yeah, despite how things kind of, you know, clunked to the finish line. Uh, You're still the all-time winningest coach at Michigan State. So, yes, I think that he should get a statue as well. And the statue I would want of him is the picture with Rich Homie Kwan. I I want the picture of him with his arm around Rich Homie Kwan as the statue. Or on a real note, I guess I could be serious about this question uh, once again. I think that it shouldn't just be Mark D'Antonio. I think that Duffy Doherty and also Biggie Munn all get a trophy next to each other. Maybe you have two on one side, Mark D'Antonio by himself, and then in the middle is a gap where fans can take pictures between the three guys. Uh, Because look, yes, Mark D'Antonio did sensational things here, but so did those two guys as well. You know, some national titles back in the 50s and 60s. Also just what they did for the game as a whole in college football. I think that it's three, three, uh, I was going to say trophies, three statues that get put up. Uh, Let's do it at the south end of the stadium, or the north end. I don't have a creative solution for that. But yeah, I think it should be all three of those gentlemen, not just Mark D'Antonio. So yeah, I I think two for two there. Maybe I'm being a little too free with my statue handouts. But yeah, I think that Izzo and D'Antonio are definitely statue worthy. 
Uh, Zeke's fan page hit us with a trifecta of questions. The first one is best coping mechanisms after a loss. And it's easy for me. Uh, it, it's walk around the rest of your day, whether you're amongst friends, amongst family, or even amongst yourselves. Just walk around the rest of the day and lie to yourself and everyone around you and act like act like it didn't bother you. You know, just act like your mentality isn't completely affected and that, well, the next few hours of your day or just the entire day or the whole weekend, if it's that bad of a game, isn't ruined. Um, just see how long you can go with that before you start to realize that you're lying to yourself and that your loved ones around you start to realize that you are lying and they get to do this again with a mopey Eeyore of a fan. But yeah, that's usually my go-to, is just acting like you're not affected by a game that college kids play, even though it's incredibly disingenuous and doesn't do anyone any good. But are we going to change? No, absolutely not. Uh, his second question was, Zeke versus Keon, one-on-one. Who wins? Explain. I don't know what we're competing in, but you know what? I'm feeling... Oh, that's wrong. This is going to upset a lot of people. I'm feeling the Keon fever. That's right, I'm feeling the neon Keon Coleman fever, so I don't care what it is. I don't even care if it's Frisbee catching. I've seen a lot of good tape of Keon Coleman lately in season, also practicing in the offseason with Kaden Hauser. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on the Keon Coleman hype train. So, yes, for uh, Zeke's fan page to be writing that question in, I'd probably just let you down right there. And the third question that he asks is, most random MSU bucket list item? I don't know if I really have a ton of random ones. Like, I would love to kick the Buick field goal challenge between the third quarter and the fourth quarter at Spartan Stadium. Just that little 30-yard field goal, but you go out there, you're wearing tennis shoes, you're in front of 50, 60, or 70,000 fans, and more times than not, it does not go right. I just want to see how hard of a field goal that really is, you know? I mean, so that that's one. And also, this is more of a serious one as well. Um, go to a first week on site with uh, the team for March Madness. You know, just go out to a location where there's eight or seven other fan bases total. Because there is something really cool about that, right? Like, I've been very fortunate to go to two Final Fours. And it's even cool just being in the melting pot of three other fan bases with so much at stake. Nothing beats March Madness. Being there in person. So, yeah. Uh, I, I would go to, like, a first weekend site. Like, let's say, for example, this year, Orlando. Um, Columbus, you know, that'd be fun. It's close, it's drivable. But if you're able to, like, travel far, that'd be a lot of fun, I think. So that's that's where I kind of stay with um, the bucket list items right there just as a sports fan. We got a lot more coming, gang. But first, I just need to talk your ear off about fan duel sports. It is almost here. Super Bowl 57, and you need to gear up with the number one sports book in America. That is FanDuel. This year, quite simply put, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. And if you are new to FanDuel, that is even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads. Who's going to score the first touchdown? Dallas Goddard. I read the script already. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, super easy to use. And best of all, Mr. FanDuel is paying you instantly. You're not waiting around for days at a time just waiting for your sportsbook to pay you. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. 
FanDuel is loading up that pocket instantly after you win your money. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And for this first question of the second segment, we are going to go to the email inbox. That's right, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. And this was sent to me by Ethan. And this one is for the parents out there or the future parents. Uh, Let's get into it. As a father to a one-year-old boy and about to have a daughter born in March, congratulations, first of all, I was wondering when you think is the right age and what sporting event to either bring just my son or the whole family, wife included, obviously. And he says factors I'd like to take into account. Cuteness of pictures, kid friendliness, cost, impact on child, like will they remember or not. As your father to a son, that's right, my little guy's two years old, just wondering if you've brought him to East Lansing yet also. I have not brought the little guy to East Lansing yet. We live about an hour and a half away. Uh, It just doesn't really ever match up with his nap time. But if you're close to the Lansing area, I really think the best event, even if actually you're not even close to the Lansing area, I might try to do this this year, is hit up the spring football game, I feel like. That is going to be kid-friendly because a lot of space in the stadium. This is not a sold-out crowd. Everyone isn't on top of each other on metal bleachers, all right? It's free. There's usually a lot of side activities going on, like meet the cheerleaders or the dance team, or there's that youth football clinic that they still might do. So there's a lot of other sideshows along with the game as well. And yes, well, it's a very boring game for, you know, diehards like us maybe, doesn't really matter to the kids. I don't know if um, the the one-year-old or... um, if you bring a month-old child to the spring game, I don't know if they're going to be worried about the spread of the spring game, to say the least, but I think it's a great opportunity to get pictures with Sparty, for example. You know, it's going to be a lot less foot traffic there, so I have to say it's got to be the spring game. If not, then maybe one of those September non-conference football games because I don't know how kid-friendly Spartan Stadium is. It has gotten better because you can bring a bag in the stadium, whereas in the past couldn't bring anything in and you had to get a ticket no matter how old or young your kid is so they've made it a little more kid friendly but uh, hey everyone can do what they want Uh, I don't know how desirable it is to be out there with like a toddler for four or five hours at a time in like 30 degree weather if you want to go to to a November game but more power to you that'd be some good character building so i'm gonna go boring but hey sometimes boring is the safe pick with parenthood when it comes to going to events so i think the spring game i think the spring game is a good one or if if you want another sport any volleyball game volleyball is a great sport i love volleyball there's a point every 10 seconds most electric sport out there all right so that was uh parenthood talk with matt and ethan thank you very much for that question 95 million dollar man writes in oh boy how about this for a hypothetical mel and squad wins a national championship in 2025 okay cool but he's then poached and goes to ucla the next year and we have to find a coach again and note nobody's impressed we just won a championship and pickens are slim absolutely i'm still living off residual of the rose bowl that happened about to be 10 years ago uh and i'm still finding some fuel in the tank that propels me through life and that and that was a rose bowl you know that was an even the national title yeah the granddaddy of them all but you can get one step higher and i'm still 
feeding off that. So a national title would safely, safely keep me happy just as a person, a fan, a member of society for the rest of my life. Whether that would be the day after the national title, um, at just a incident partying perhaps, or if I live to be 135 years old, I, I don't care how long I'm on this place for. One single national title is all I need in life to just make me the best version of, actually, or maybe the worst version of myself. But hey, well, let's find out in 2025. I'm all about that hypothetical. So yeah, I'll do anything for a national title. If that means just saying goodbye to Mel right after he brings home the bacon. Mm, okay, that's fine. I feel like we got off easy there. So yeah, yeah, it, I would like, you know what? I would like people to try to come up with a hypothetical where I wouldn't say yes to winning a national title, especially as quick as 2025. That would be really nice, too. Man, could you imagine five and seven, one year, two years later, you're just raising the trophy? Oh, talk to me. Let's go. Uh, Adam writes in, if you had never been to a football game at Spartan Stadium, what would be the perfect match to go to, and what would be the best build-up to the game? Now, you might have met, noticed that word that I just used, the perfect match to go to. And Adam's picture on Twitter is, I assume, him playing rugby. So, I, I love it right there. We got a rugby fan talking what football match to go to. That's what I'm talking about, coming in with an open mind for football. And I think... A great introductory game to college football, or specifically Spartan Stadium, is that opening game of the season. I mean, yes, usually it's against a directional school. It's not the, the Michigan game or a big you know, Penn State game or Ohio State game, but I think the vibes around that opening game are awesome. First of all, like there's just a buzz in East Lansing that's excitement. You know, the, the atmosphere was a little different. First game of the season, uh, then it was late November, you know, kind of weary. <laughs> Once we're at week 10 or 11, you're like, uh-oh, hope we can go 6-6. Six and six. But, hey, everyone is bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at the start of the year. And also what helps, too, is with that directional school, you know, this year it's going to be Central, last year was Western, campus is usually buzzing pretty good. And it's not a heated rivalry like, you know, Michigan, where... It's kind of some angst in the air, some hatred in the air. Like, no, for the most part, everyone is in a great mood. And that is also aided by the weather as well. So you get a full Spartan Stadium. I mean, it is usually a sold-out crowd for opening night. You get just a great party atmosphere. Everyone is positive at this part of the season. And you're also probably getting treated to weather that's not 28 degrees and sideways snow. So, yeah, I, I would say the opening game. Uh, of the the Spartan season coming up, uh, or really any season, is a great intro to college football. And hey, you know what? It, it gets even better too if it's a night game. Get to tailgate during the day. You don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. just to drive across the state to get there. I mean, so yeah, there's a lot of benefits for that opening game. Hopefully it's a Friday this year. Uh, hopefully they can announce that somewhat soon. Eric wants to talk some X's and O's on the basketball court next year. He writes in, what is the potential rotation likely for the men's basketball team with this talented freshman class coming up. And this is all just a guess right now. I don't have any inside information or anything. Um, hopefully I will, uh, you know, in, in weeks to come after the season. But right now, this is all just my gut. Let's say Malik Hall and Tyson Walker are back, but Joey Hauser is gone. There is a lot of fascination with how this is going to get split up. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about the front court because right now, yeah, you'd be returning Sissoko. You'd be returning Jackson Kohler. Maybe Sissoko still starts. Or 
Maybe it is Xavier Booker that starts at the five. I know that, you know, starting freshman isn't Tom Izzo's favorite thing, but when you have a kid that's a consensus top 10 recruit and things aren't going so well in the Madi Sissoko growth, that might be the play right there. Or, or, Justin Thin has talked about this with me. We've done it on air, off air. Xavier Booker, he could just be a natural four, so you'd split it between Malik Hall. I'm sure he would start, and then maybe Xavier Booker first off the bench. So with that whole breakdown, I think it's going to be Xavier Booker starting at the five, Malik Hall at the four to start the season at least, and then starting at the three, Jaden Akins with, you know, Gary Norman right behind him. Cohen Carr probably uh, a backup at the four, spelling Malik Hall. And then at the two and the one, so the point guard and shooting guard, fascinating fascinating what you do here right now it's probably very you know point blank obvious to start the season it would be AJ Hogard if I could talk AJ Hogard at point guard and then Tyson Walker as your shooting guard but man this Jeremy Fierce kid is really talented isn't he and one thing that's the knock against him is he is not you know this physically imposing guy he's about six foot one which isn't like super undersized but what the issue is here is that you know can you play him off ball uh like let's say that you know okay AJ Hogard is a starter and then Fears wants to so I don't know I think he is gonna be the first guy off the bench Graham Couch actually just wrote a column for Lansing State Journal talking about Jeremy Fears and how he can be a potential starter but man if Tyson Walker's back I, I don't know if you have Walker coming off the bench just so Fears can start and then that means you have a backcourt with two guys with you know jumpers that aren't really all there yet uh, fears, I think later in his career will be a, a reliable shooter, but I just wonder what that is like off the, the bat here. And that's not me saying it. That's his high school coach that we had on a few weeks ago. That's saying that, that his jumper is still a work in progress. So I, I don't see him starting immediately, but man, I, all that he's done in his senior year is just blow up and just getting gotten way better. And that's on both ends of the court too. But yeah, I don't know, man. Senior AJ Hogard and super senior Tyson Walker. I think they get the start there as well. And that also leaves Trey Holloman, you know, as a really huh, interesting prospect here. He'll be a sophomore. I think he's going to be third fiddle point guard next year. Certainly what he does shooting the ball isn't maybe turning a lot of heads. But at the end of the day, he still does have a lot of good um, skills with him. He's a solid defender. He's got that great wingspan. I think he's a good facilitator of the ball so far this year. Said it many a times that he reminds me of just Tum Tum, but tall. You know, he, he's a tall Tum Tum, which for your true freshman season, as a guy that was rated as a four-star guard in the '60s or the '70s, I believe, like that's that's fine for your freshman year. But if that keeps continuing throughout his career, where it's not really an offensive threat, and you're kind of playing with the power play all the time, like you could very easily get jumped by Jeremy Fears here right off the bat. So. That's how I see the, the point guard pecking order. A.J. Hogard, Jeremy Fears, Trey Holloman. So, again, this is going to be very fluid going into the offseason with what Malik's going to do, Tyson's going to do, what Joey's going to do. But uh, there it is right there. And also, well, if anyone, God, is going to transfer. So, uh, Jay Krupp. <laughs> this, this question made me laugh um, from, from Jay Krupp. Oh, man. Uh, Big Ten basketball referees, all right? We're all kind of sick of them. And they're they're blowing calls for Michigan State. They're blowing calls for teams playing against Michigan State. I, I digress. Big Ten basketball referees must wear an ankle bracelet that delivers an increasingly painful electric shock in tandem to the number of team fouls that are called. Yes, it's a great way to limit the 
The whistles being blown during games. Love that. Uh, what are some other outlandish ideas that we can use to get them under control? J. Krupp writes. Um, I only got three, and none of them are better than the electric <laughs> bracelet that you're zapping these guys with. Oh, man, you would never see a team in the bonus for <laughs> the rest of the year. It'd be great. Um, so they have the coach's box, right? Like they have that little line in the court. And in theory, in theory, that, that's supposed to keep coaches in their little area. If they cross that line, you know, that that's a foul. I believe it's a technical. First they get warned. Whatever. It's the most broken rule in college basketball. But let's say they want to start enforcing that rule. If they make that a hard line that you cannot cross. Every time you blow a whistle to call a foul on that team, that line gets extended down the court. All right, so let's say uh, it gets moved down two feet every time a whistle is blown. Now that coach, at the end of the game, let's say you just called 16 fouls against that team with two minutes left in the game, and it's Tom Izzo that has his line extended. He can go all the way to the other team's bench to follow that ref down the court and badger him, absolutely rail him in his ear for the game. That's right. So, okay, we're, we're going to keep it this big, the normal coach's box. But, yeah, once we get to the double bonus, it's it's not just going to be that little 20-foot allotted area that Coach Izzo gets to scream at you at. Instead, now he has 86 feet to walk down the court and just give it to you verbally. So, yeah, think, think once or twice before you blow that whistle. Uh, another idea I had is uh, every foul raises the, the thermostat in the referee's hotel by 3 degrees. So let's say they start at a baseline at 67 degrees or 70 degrees. But if they call, let's say 10 fouls. That's right, just 10 fouls. That raises their thermostat by 30 degrees when they get back to their room. So yeah, if you don't want it nice and balmy back at the Quality Inn or the, the Graduate or the Marriott, I don't know where they stay, but if, if you don't want... 97 degrees in your room. Let's keep that whistle in the pocket. Let's let the boys play. Let's make this like old school Big Ten basketball the way God intended it to be played. And the last one I had too, this is a simple one. Every time the whistle's blown, their shirt gets tighter. I, I don't know further explanation on that. Just, you know, they start the game just in a normal adult large shirt. And then by the end of the game, if they blew too many whistles, well, that that's now a youth medium and you look like a fool. So, and it's probably very uncomfortable as well. And the student section is probably going to make fun of you. It's going to be a miserable time for you. So yeah, let's start trimming down these whistles. Uh, or if you're going to blow the whistles, just make them all beneficial for Michigan state. So yeah, that's what I got. Uh, Michigan sports writes in, in your opinion, who wins the next national championship between Michigan state football or basketball? My quick answer is basketball. My quick answer is basketball. And um, look, I, I know the recent track record for basketball hasn't been great. And no, it's not so much to do with MSU going 5-7 and seven this year on the football field as much as it is to do with just what the national title winning teams are actually doing. Uh, basketball, look, I, I, it is statistically proven that, you know, it is the one seeds that win the most of these tournaments. You have to be a top three seed in March to have like a realistic mentality of winning in March Madness. And maybe next year's team... Can get to a three or a two seed. Yes, of course. You know, an eight seed won once. But, you know, you do have to be good in college basketball. But in college football, you have to be great at being elite. You know, that there's, there is no variance. You know, there is no wacky-tacky March Madness magic going on where you do have to win six games in a row, which is very hard. When you reach the mountaintop of going to the college football playoff, 
with a most likely 12-0 record or 13-0, I guess, if you want to count the conference championship or 12-1. Like, you are incredible. And also when you're doing this off the field, recruiting as good as you are, like Alabama is, okay, how good do we feel about this class coming off a of 5-7 and seven season? It is a historic class for Michigan State, the most 10 stars to enter a class at the same time. MSU is 10 four-stars. Okay, 10 four-stars. That is a really good class. Are you, are you sitting down for this? I hope you're sitting down for this. Alabama this year had nine five-stars. Okay? Georgia has five five-stars and <clears throat> 24 stars. All right, these guys are fielding minor league NFL teams. Alabama's average recruit ranking this year is a 94.69. Mal- that was just average. That was just average amongst their 20-some players that they got. That's just the the right-in-the-middle guy. Mel has done great things here with recruiting so far at Michigan State. Do you know how many guys he's brought in that has a higher rating than the average of Alabama's recruit this year? In, In Mel's three years. It's one guy. It's one guy. It's by Job. So, yes... The, recru- recruiting isn't anything, I, I guess we could all say and lie to ourselves, but it, it kind of matters a lot. And, yeah, anytime you watch the national title game, and Georgia is just working, working whoever it is. TCU's this year, that was a bad break, you know? Yeah. And, yes, I get that TCU got to the national title game. I get that, you know, they don't recruit that great. Uh, they had that nice win against Michigan, but, okay, TCU also benefited greatly from playing, what was it, five backup quarterbacks on their trip to a 12-1 season to even get in the cultural playoff. I'm not calling their season fraudulent. They should be very thrilled of what they were able to accomplish, but their road to a national title game was not like the others. They, they had great fortune throughout the season. So I'm sorry to rain on the Horned Frogs parade, but yeah, um recruiting helps and that's why Mel is just got so precious for the vision that he has here and he knows that recruiting is going to get any team back on top ideally of course it's not a perfect formula just ask Texas A&M how things are going just ask Miami how things are ever going um yeah but oh my god it's just every time you see these guys play that second Monday of January it's just so depressing uh last question here this is from Chopman. Favorite breakfast food? You better answer correctly. Uh, this was the gentleman that ate pancakes every single day until Samson Oak and Lola committed. And uh, poor, poor chop man and his cholesterol and his arteries. Uh, it did not work out. He went to Miami. Um, and he wants me to say pancakes. I know he wants me to say pancakes. Um, and oh, God, I'm starting to sweat because I, I can very well see me waking up tomorrow morning with chop man at my door um, for answering this not the way he wants, but French toast. French toast kind of goes, kind of goes hard, kind of goes hard. Uh, so yeah, French toast. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna end it like that. I'm not gonna apologize any further, even though I probably just broke your heart. Sorry about that. How about that for an ending? Just letting you down. Um, hey, I, I'll try not to let everyone down tomorrow. Uh, we will be back. We're gonna be breaking down the Ohio State game. We might get into some Super Bowl. <laughs> if I can talk, Super Bowl prop bets. That's right, courtesy of FanDuel. But until then. Hey, thank you guys so much for hopping into this mailbag with me. You guys are truly the best. Again, any questions, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com or Sheehan underscore sports on Twitter. Go enjoy the rest of your day. Love you all. Go Green.